yeah we can do this yes we can we are so dear listeners today my friend is samuel barnes also known as samu and he is streaming in from the west coast of costa rica um Samu is an herbalist, a permaculture designer, degree in ecology, astrology, and uh, you and I met over tea at an event in um, Bushwick, right? It was at um, uh, X Marks the Loft, I think. Yep, along with that beloved crew of uh, rebels and rabble rousers, uh, I have, uh, that's sort of what my nonprofit venture, The Regenerates, turned into was a tea service, a tea table, tea house, a place for people to become educated about the magic of, of um, gong fu, you know, Chinese tea, but also some writ large, and also, you know, to provide a safe space for people to um, experience the, the multiplicity of states of consciousness available at, in the nightlife. <laughs> yeah, you know, somewhere for people to sit down, connect, participate, be heard, you know, and so that's that's one of my great joys in life is is creating that stage that has no no uh, uh, star, you know, where everybody is is cohabiting the stage together. Yeah, it's it's so. I mean, when nightlife <laughs> was happening, it was uh, such an oasis to find a comfortable place to sit let alone have a substantial conversation with someone. And, and uh, I remember just feeling so magnetized to you and then everything that, that came out of your mouth, I was like, wow, this, this is like a Swiss army knife of a cat. So uh, I'm psyched to have this time together. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, I, you know, I just keep on learning, uh, new, put, put new tricks in the bag, you know, and uh, here in Costa Rica that, has meant um you know a lot of land love a lot of tree planting um some alchemizing although i haven't had the same kind of material setup i had back at ambrosia um you know in order to do tinctures and extractions and ginger beers and all these different teas i mean you know i i have many teachers but i'm again and again reminded that we all of us are little bits of a larger body and even our computers, the fastest computer in the world, what is it made from? Cobalt, copper, silicon, you know, carbon. The body of the earth. It's made from the body of the earth. She is the supercomputer. She is, you know, all of the great philosophers. What are they made of? The earth. They're made of they're made of dust. <laughs> yeah, I like to you know, think of, of our, her. I like to think of our grandfather star that exploded and mm. and gave all of the elements that we're made of to to make these bodies and our home world mm -hmm. and all of these incredible tools to connect um it's yeah it, to, it's so to harbor powerful light. yeah to, to to remind people particularly those who are into um ceremony and you know the yogic arts uh that these bodies are rented elements and we're going to oh, have to yeah. give them back at, at a, a time that we we never know when. You know, like middle age is a is a is a myth. <laughs> <laughs> That's Middle Earth. That's a myth. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I uh, have been giving these transmissions on the the current astrology, on the the current you know the state of affairs in the sky, and I didn't really have a name for it. But at the end of my first transmission, I was like, "Remember that you're in a body made of stars," and so this became the name of the the venture, "Body Made of Stars." Mm. And you know it's it's now four episodes deep. You know whatever one, two two new moons until two full moons. We're coming up on another new moon this weekend, um, so that'll be number five. And you know that that name is part of a larger teaching that I've been receiving from life recently, which is that um, you know the body, the bottle, the bottle made of stars. The you know it's it's a container, and what makes it so miraculous is that it's like a, it's like a soul portal. Like it, it's this, these elements that could be recombinated in the lab somehow, you know, if you really had precision, but it's the elements are a container for a, a dimensional, a consciousness that comes from a different dimension that isn't just limited to this one mm-hmm. that isn't limited to the physical. And so what really blows me away is how, you know, when, when a woman is conceived in her mother's belly, like that soul portal already exists. And actually every woman, birth giving biological woman, and which is not the only kind of woman, let's be clear. Um, the, you know, they have portal in their belly. Like it's just there from the time that they're in the womb. <laughs> yeah, th- this is, I think, what's so special about the feminine is that they have a place set aside for someone else inside of them. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. Wow. That's so powerful. And, and the, wow. the capacity to, to deal with the ordeal of birth, which I just heard a, an amazing podcast um, from a midwife the other day and that the technology that has been passed down um, to the modern age of midwifery can prevent the pain of birth, which I think people assume is just a, a necessary part of that process. Wow. Yeah. It's not the only ancient science that, you know, is due for a resurgence. And many of the, the sisters and the, the goddesses I've known, you know, this is how they've chosen to give birth. And not only that, this is their chosen profession. There's nothing that attracts me more than a, a doula, or a, mid, a midwife. You know, I've always dreamt of being able to assist in those circumstances. That's part of the reason why I began to study herbalism is because that process, the process of arriving here and, you know, the, the mother who is the doorway this is one of the two moments, you know, and then the other one being the exit from the stage where, yeah, where it's, it's the, just the most sacred rituals there are, you know, the, the birth and the death. Yeah. The, the woman that I interviewed in the previous podcast is studying to be a death doula and, uh, yeah, that so, so important, you know, like I don't even know where to begin with this one with it. Like, the use of psychedelics um, to, you know, rend the veil 
between you know our animal bodies and the limitation of our physical senses and getting a sense of our astral bodies and that that deathless energetic body that has its own powerfully sensitive spectrum of senses uh, can and does remove the fear of death for so many who partake and I wouldn't be so bold as to say that psychedelics are for everyone but uh, you know in this day and age finding ways for people who are at the edge to look onto the other side and understand that you know the death of the animal is not the death of life it's not the death of mm-hmm. consciousness i think it would be such a, a a balm to the to the mind ecology oh yeah yeah i mean well it depends what we mean by the word death because sure the death of the animal is the death of something but what is death the last word for for the other things you know because to me why I see it as you're know, so tied up up in birth. You know, this, these, these spirals going in different directions um, is that there is a great passage. There is a rending of all the veils. You know, there is a direct line from something somewhere to somewhere else. It's like the abyssal chasm, you know, that we leap across, that we experience le petit mot, you know, an orgasm or a good mushroom trip and an epiphany or even hitting for you, you know, hitting some new chords and like finding a new song or for me, you know, just having that poem flow through my fingertips and the three golden stanzas are right there and they weren't there before. It's like going through the veil, you know, it, it, uh, many of the ancients say, um, you know, that, the life is a preparation to die a good death, you know, and also so much of my, the work that I've had the privilege to do in um, South American traditions and with, with plant medicines um, and with North American traditions with sweat lodge and pipe ceremonies, um, you know, they, they just offer me like the training to be, to sit in myself, to be, to be there at the moment of death. Um, one of the the few artifacts that I've had with me in my t- time in Costa Rica, because I only packed for a little trip to envision and to give a, a week of workshops, um, I was very fortunate to bring with me the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Ah. It's called Awakening Osiris, a translation by a woman, Normandy Ellis, done in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And that sequence, you know, um, a preponderance of starry beings, you know, the adoration of Ra, like these different sequences, um, becoming the falcon, becoming um, the serpent. It's just, it like, it goes through the passes and it eliminates, if you read truly with your soul, not be afraid of death at the end of the reading. Amazing. I've not read that text, but what I have been digging into is Ralph, Mes- R- Ralph Metzner, Timothy Leary, and Richard Alpert, a.k.a. Ram Dass's translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead and using it um, kind of as a cross-reference for guiding people through very strong psychedelic ego-death experiences and laying out the, you know, what they would say the dissolution of the elements. 
and the different physiological and psychological signposts along the way. You know, like you get very heavy and then there may be a sense of uh, nausea. There may be a sense of uh, powerful hot cold inversions and then uh, a disillusion of the right. of the tactile fields boundaries and that if someone is rehearsed in these different signs which we go through every night i mean to die to the waking world and enter the dream world lucidly you go through these stages every night but to do it lucidly kind of slows down the process and could give people uh, a sense if they didn't know about it of dying or being you know perhaps this is a dangerous territory when it's actually birthing the consciousness from one realm into another yeah yeah there's danger in it but the danger is in the in the withholding in the in the the fear and the pullback and the identification mm. you know because when you go forward it's like that that's the march you can't you don't go back you know mm. it's it's just like the one who um one of your muses i'm sure the orpheum myth you know who goes down to to reclaim eurydice from from the throne of of the underworld and you know you just can't look back you keep going you climb you, you know you go into it and you go out of it and you and gazing forward the entire time um and that that makes me that triggers you know the the mimosis that I was looking for, which is that um, the great theme of this time is the doulaing of the death of the age of Pisces, you know, of the mm. of the of the epoch. People say the end of the world, but they're just miss. It's one card before that. It's judgment. You know, it's uh, it's not the twenty one card. It's the twenty card and 2020 fittingly um you know and so this this period that we live in like we we lust for we anticipate we feel it in our bodies you and i and many of our our peers and allies um we feel the presence of something new of a new world if you will a new age as has been so thoroughly played out that phrase yeah um you know but what it what it neglects is the the desperate need for the death of the old age mm -hmm. you know as and this a, kind of generational process yeah as, as a yoga teacher I, I like to remind the students that you know shavasana the, the corpse pose is placed right next to the fetal position right when that's right when you stir yourself from shavasana and you know our backs are to the underworld during that hopefully at least 10 minute period of rest that releasing one old familiar form that had to, had to be released, right? Time marches on. We can't fight it. But then coming over into a fetal position and, and that being just as messy, right? A, a newborn is, they can't take care of themselves or covered with viscera and uh, <laughs> blinded by the light. It's, it's just as messy, but resisting it only increases the suffering so to have you know doulas to have guides and hopefully you know when we're we, when we are reborn into other bodies to be surrounded by wise kind 
compassionate elders? Should we be so lucky? But sometimes, you know, the, the lessons that are required, and I can really speak from experience here, um, you know, allow us to be born into uh, to contrary circumstances, to retrograde motion, you know, to things that define the parameters, the gutters of the bowling lane, you know, and um, so that I can shoot straight, you know, and basically in this beautiful hologram that is real, that is made by the computer of the, of the Gaia AI, of the great intelligence here and, and across the stars, um, you know, that guides this, this principle of the evolution of consciousness through, through layers of density. Um, you know, it, it gives everyone this incredible gift of the perfect challenge, you know, the wounds in each of us, that is why we are incarnate <laughs> and all good. We wouldn't be here, you know, there would be somewhere else. There would be a place of maybe you're a cloud at that point. Maybe you're a sun, you know, or maybe they have their issues too. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, and, and here as a human, we have this opportunity, you know, if you're born into a Catholic family, you know, then you have this, this challenge of, of finding, you know, the, inside yourself and not in the great authority structure. If you're born into an atheist family, you know, then that's your, that's your cross to carry, you know, you have to see if there is a deeper meaning to life and it is just, you know, or is it just material and reductionist? Or then you're an agnostic family, you know, and you never can really be sure one way or the other. It's like each person has their perfect set of circumstances and, you know, that, that brings me to the, the world circumstance and how it impacts individuals. And, you know, with the, with this turning of the age wheel and this, this great death cycle that we are all participants in willingly or unwillingly. So how, would you break down kind of what you see as an astrologer uh, being the, the, the mark of the Piscean age that is decrescendoing and the mark of the um, Aquarian age thing and, and what, practically could humans do to to kind of work with that flow well that uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna home in on this topic of sovereignty for a moment because it's pertinent to that so the piscean age is the age of the leader and the follower the shepherd and the sheep um the school of fishes you know um and so that that's seen the the rise of um, thought leadership of um, polarization and of wealth, you know, and influence, uh, a deeper binding of the feminine that had already begun, but really, you know, pulled into this, this role of the, the victim versus the perpetrator, you know, and so sovereignty um, of self is the remedy. And it is an Aquarian virtue because in the 11 sign, in the Aquarian modality, it's like, each person's unique gift and contribution, should they be able to access it, makes them equitable, you know, makes them equal because there's something that you can do that no one else can do like you. Mm -hmm. And so the Aquarian age of groups 
you know, where the leader is not one or the other, but it's like, you're the leader when it comes to guitar practice and I'm the leader when it comes to stargazing and she's the leader when it comes to pie making and who's the leader when it comes to speech making. And, you know, there are more public and more private roles, but there is this diffusion, this, this collaboration, um, which we're really seeing the beginnings of um, with the information technology. Thank God, you know, and it's like as much as they, they want to employ it in a Piscean mode of opinion making and, you know, this whole siloing and, it really, it's, it's fundamental. It's an Aquarian technology that allows for a far more efficient distribution of energy because people can do what they're good at and they can be available for it to everyone in the world. Yes. Yeah, I think the the, the mark of the Piscean age is um, commerce, right? There's producers oh, yeah. and consumers. But in a tribal structure... You know, it's not black and white. You have the spectrum of hunters and artisans and shamans and mothers. Uh, the, the, the full spectrum of the tribe that has their place and is interconnected. I think, you know, you and I have definitely seen this rising in New York City and the gatherings. Yeah. And, and now with this, you know, basically diaspora, uh, many, so many people coming up into the country or into other countries, there's a chance to, to actualize it because our greater systems are, are really looking uh, quite thin and weak. Well, it's being actualized because there's a dear need for it. And a desperate need for community-based sovereignty, which is, which is built upon individual sovereignty to express their genius, to find their genius. And just to wrap that back around to this like mystery of incarnation and why do we come with all of this trauma and why do we collect it almost avidly early on in life? Like they, they resonate so deeply in the neurological structure. Um, you know, I think it's because should we alchemize that lead should we find it in ourselves to transmute our suffering, then we are left with something that has never existed in the universe before. Not exactly in the same, you know, not in the way we did it, you know? And, and that is our gift to give back to the commons. You know, if you've had a life of ease and leisure and like, it's like, what is it that you can bring that you really can't, that, that isn't already there, you know? Because everyone wants to feel good. You know, um, some people more than others, like it seems, <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm in the church of fun. You know, I, I have prioritized that over economic gain at basically every inflection point in my, my life so far. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think often these days of Nelson Mandela, of, um, of Martin Luther King, you know, of Angela Davis, our, our living legend, um, you know, and then of all the freedom fighters all around the world and how they were tread under and imprisoned and sometimes tortured um, and how, you know, for the ones who really came through it, this didn't hinder them. This made them who they are. This made them stronger, you know, and, and it's like the, the Khalil Gibran quote, you know, the, the, 
the strongest swords are forged in the hottest fires, mm-hmm. you know, and the strongest souls are those that have experienced, you know, this tremendous level of, of um, suffering. You know, and so so that that is, I guess, you know, is that a Piscean thing or is that a human thing? I have a feeling it goes way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a reptilian thing. It, oh yeah. You know, we're we're wired. A certain part of our brain is about threats and bribes, right? And you get people in line by threatening their resources or creating competition for the resources. Uh, competition right. with other tribes, other kingdoms, other nations, and that that is without end. But if we're to evolve into the mammalian and the social and the cooperative, it's this uh, this shift in an age, this this um, ability to work with a group of people in the diversities uh, to thrive. And I think that's the thing that's so painful about. COVID is the threat to socializing, the threat to physical intimacy and closeness. We are social animals. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if we get through it. (laughs) I have a feeling we will, but it's through the pockets of resistance to the program. You know, like, yes, this, this particularly virulent version of a flu or really of a common cold is damaging to people's lives, their health, perhaps their long-term health. It's certainly nothing I would wish on anyone, but you know, the repercussions of the measures enforced to quell this, this illness. Um, Don't quote me on it, but go ahead and do, you know, the body count is going to be higher in terms of those who lose their lives because of the economics, those who lose their lives because of the isolation, those who lose their lives and their health because of the lack of access to clean and green food, um, to sunlight and water, you know, these, these things, it's not like, Oh, go ahead and get infected. It's not that it's not like the other option is a good one, but Mm -hmm. the, you know, there, there has to be a reckoning in, a, in the balance of our understanding, you know, and it calls into question just the fundaments of how the civilization is organized. And so I'm just so lucky, you know, I, I feel like for most of my life, I'm 29 now, um, you know, I've been walking one foot forward in, in Gaia, in, you know, the Gaia in Zion, which I've never really made that Gaia in Zion. Yeah. Um, you know, one foot forward in Zion, one foot forward in Babylon, you know, six months of permaculture in Hawaii, a year of ecology at Columbia University, you know, starting a business in Brooklyn, like, you know, going to work in Standing Rock at the Lakota. It's like, you know, I've been moving in both worlds. And I like, for me personally, I have to, I made a choice. I had, and I, my soul made it for me. I came back to New York and around Thanksgiving after a fall in California and Europe and um, and my body was just like, leave, get out right now, you know. Out of New and, York City? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I did. Yeah, and, I left back in September. Yeah. And, 
And so I chose Zion, you know, on purpose and, and just not only on purpose, just, you know, my soul chose for me. Like I'm here, I'm here to, to deepen my apprenticeship to life and, you know, to, to offer love and service and in, in whatever way I can to like this, you know, cause all of us here, like right now I'm staying with a, a really interesting group of people, very talented, high professional burners, you know, different kinds of people, surfers, permaculture designers, yogis, you know, mm-hmm. and all of us, some, some had been really had a lot of foresight and some wealth. And so they, they picked up stakes a few years ago. But a lot of us, we were just like, something brought us here and we slipped through the cracks, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You, you said you'd only plan to be there like a couple of weeks, but now you yeah, were there I packed, I packed indefinitely. Yep. Yeah. And my, my ever wise and ever loving mother, you know, she, from the moment this thing started in, in March, she's like, well, you know, because I have all these plans. I, I work with an art gallery. We've got an exhibition in the Venice Biennale. We, you know, I'm going to, to run the bar in Patagonia for the eclipse. Like, I've got all these travel plans, like True North, you know, all these things that are possible. You know, by March 28th, my mother's like, well, I'll see you next April. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, she's like, I wouldn't recommend going much of anywhere between now and then. Mm-hmm. And it, it, she, her prediction, her intuition, more like that, is being borne out. You know, she never really, she doesn't go as far into it as I have, but both of us have like a, just a, a working map of time. You know, that for me, it's it's very much informed by the um, planetary correspondences. For her, it's just she—it's just you know an occluded, cloudy vision of how things are going to play out, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, she's right on, you know, and and I think it's true for a lot of people in a lot of places that you know let's get comfortable with our where we are, let's learn our garden, let's learn our local woods, let's learn our neighbors' names and likes and dislikes, and that will see us through yeah you know? and sl- and slow down um my partner has yeah. been studying uh is it herbology or herbalism Both. okay she's been studying those uh with an incredible teacher named sam um and yeah. he he said you know the the lungs they are uh about holding grief and it's so powerful that COVID is, you know, principally attacking the lungs and the grief of humanity uh, being expressed not only through the trauma of this pandemic, but also people having to slow down and stay put and, you know, basically forced into retreat through these quarantines. And, And here comes another one, like here comes another lockdown in this I don't see it as a wave. I see it as a wildfire. And it seems it's funny that- you should mention wildfire, you know, because there's another vascular system that is um, being destroyed at present, you know, and that is the, the last remaining tropical rainforests um, in Sumatra and Borneo. Um, in, of course, in Brazil, Peru, Ecuador, 
Colombia, and then also in, um, in the Congo and the Congo River Basin and the various republics and nations over there. So, you know, that those are the lungs of uh, the surface of the earth. And they too are uh, burning up, you know, feeling kind of hot, a little feverish, a little dry, a little, little coffee. Yeah, the, I, I wonder what other kind of plan the powers that be that sanction the clear-cutting. Uh, they, they think that somehow they can cut off the branch that humanity and their own bloodlines are sitting on to gain, you know, what, what maybe another 30 years of profits. Like, what will you eat? What will you breathe? after these natural resources are gone. I, I wonder, you know, I don't believe that the powers that be are stupid people, but are, are they so draconian that they're, they're that myopic about time and causality? Yeah, I'm just letting that one land for a second. Um, well, there, there's an architecture to this, you know, there is a sequence that this has followed. And it's, it's interesting to speak about it as ages and, and with a temporality, a lens to cycles, but um, the cycles are natural. This is not quite. Um, what I have diagnosed, um, and it's very interesting the way the path that I'm on um, for me is you know, it's like this dying medicine path where it's like, I learned the herbalism to help the people so the people can help the rivers so the rivers can clean the ocean, you know, and, and it, it um, you know, it spirals out to doing, doing like doctoring and earth, earth medicine, you know, medicine for the earth, which is, looks a lot like forests, looks a lot like mice, you know, um, microremediation, looks a lot like um, sequestration technologies, you know, for, for plastic pollution and uh, chemical pollution and, and waterways and airways. Um, and uh, there's something that arrived on this planet from a different dimension. And it's a parasite. And humans are not it. This is very key. From thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, some say millions of years, our ancestors were what they were. You know, they, they were this animal that was born with, the, with these claws, these hands to, to pit, pluck orchids from one part of the jungle and place it elsewhere and to be the gardener of the forest, this thing uniquely designed to aid ecosystems in thriving. Our bodies, climbing trees, walking on the earth, we, we're very well suited to just be, you know, this tender of a thriving forestal ecosystem. Um, and we were that for a long, long time. Um, and, you know, sometime in the recent epoch, um, something, something, um, came into us, certain members of us. And it's like, it's the same infection that is white supremacy, it's the same infection that is patriarchy, it's the same infection that is 
um, like empire versus indigeneity. You know, it's, we could call it civilization. And, um, and it uses the humans as a vector to spread itself. And it seems clear to me, and it has for years, but now it's triply obvious that its intent is to, it's just like a parasite working on a, on a host. You know, it's, it's intent is to harvest as much energy from the host as possible um, until it expends the viability of the host. And then we'll move on to parasitize other places, other, other hosts. And this is, this is like a planetary scale infection. And the humans are the vectors. Wow. So yeah. as, a, as an ability to, you know, be a light unto oneself and, and sense ourselves and, and self-diagnose through our practices what can the average person do who's who's interested in seeing okay i heard what samu said now how do i scan myself to to see if this is true or not and if it was discovered what would be done to uh to cut the root of it or transmute yeah. transmute it into something else so there there are two parts to that answer one is that the litany of spiritual practices that are that are true and not you know um, ego based that are that are you know are are veil removing direct lines to the spirit below the shakti force or the spirit above the the shiva force the parama purusha you know um or even better ones that go both directions <laughs> um you know and connect you to the earth and to the to the heaven um which is to say the lower dimensional resonances and the higher. Um, all of these practices develop with this reality uh, in mind, you know? And so from the yogic practices of the Vedic cultures um, to, you know, the, the meditations of East Asia to the teepee ceremonies and the, the medicine wheels of North America to a very deep and equally profound um, European tradition you know, that, that involves um, the use of runes, the use of plants, the use of language, you know, um, and uh, place-based magic, you know, so all of these practices, including modern day stuff like liver detox, gallbladder detox, you know, float tank, sensory deprivation, use of psychedelics in a proper container with the right intention, all of these things can help you to do the diagnostic process and begin to, to work on the affects, more like the symptoms of the, the infection, you know? So, oh, I was greedy and now I'm not, you know, I was, I was always the one I would cut a, cut a cake in half and then my, my body would pull me to the 52% <laughs> one, you know, or you, if you know what I mean, like I was instead oh, yeah. of being generous and now I'm, now I'm not that, or, you know, or I was fearful or I was, you know, vindictive or all of these, these symptoms um, can be worked through very thoroughly um, through the, the garnered wisdom that has never died, you know, um, and it can be found almost anywhere from a children's song to a, a four panel cartoon, you know, to the most esoteric, you know, Nagarjuna suttas, you know, to whatever, to, you know, so it's all around us. But then, so I highly recommend people go on that journey, <laughs> you know, and, and your soul will tell you, you know, just, 
keep an eye out for signs. And, and when you pick up a, an interesting spiritual book on the table, flip to your flip to your favorite numbers page. And, you know, maybe that will tell you what you need to know, or if that, if that, that line of wisdom is for you. Um, and, uh, on a deeper level, to treat the cause and not the symptoms. Um, it's about forgiveness. Yeah, my my mantra last year was, uh, it's not really a mantra, but a shift was that when I have a mental affliction, right? It, one of these two flavors, I either want more than the given reality is yielded, and that could look like jealousy, envy, greed, addiction, obsession, or uh, I want other than what's happening, right? Like there's hostility towards the given reality. There's those two flavors of the reptilian mind. What I learned last year was there's a difference between confronting those painful thought, emotion, energies, and honoring them. You know, coming back to having tea with the demons. Through honoring, we can understand that these these impulses are a part of being biological animals. They're a part of our ancestors, you know, what they needed to do to survive. Like we've been past that baggage. Uh, and confronting it, suppressing it only is going to build it up and turn it into neuroses, which scatters out around us right it's like trying to fight fire with fire mm -hmm. yeah. versus allowing that space and it takes quite a bit of bravery and composure to honor what's arising and then dig into the message of it like why does this keep coming up why is there a recurrence whose voice is this if it's an inner narrative and is this something that I wish to empower? Like, is this the wolf I wish to feed or the one I wish to starve? And I really don't know any other way to be of use uh, to someone who has at least their, their basic needs met, that they can have enough stability in their nervous system, you know, that, that they're regulated enough that their mind could be trained in this way. Yeah, yeah. And the, the forgiveness, it extends in, in many Because if I can forgive myself, done all that I've been through, all the choices that I've made or have been made for me, all of the traumatic experiences I blundered my way into, um, or was born to experience, you know, my karmas, my slokas, um, then I have a chance to forgive others. For the same thing, you know, for for the trauma they have caused and trauma they've experienced, for the um, for the trauma of the body of the earth, you know, for the karma of the earth, because there's clearly something bigger than just humanity being played out here. Mm -hmm. You know, he made us for a reason. We probably knew this was going to happen, and it's probably happened before, mind you. You know, there there are cities at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, the, um, the difficult thing to see is, you know, like they, they say the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So if, if COVID is truly the invisible enemy of human animals to survive, my heart breaks that there, there seems to be such a, a desert of wise leadership 
that that even now wants to use this to drive the uh, the separation between yeah. youth and elder, black and white, masculine, feminine, old guard, new guard. Like that, the, there's such a a myopic, draconian grip in many of the seats of power, not all of them, that that can't even accept that you know this common enemy could be a, a tremendous opportunity for the world to, to literally work together and unite. Yeah. Well, you know, this is actually the trick, man. It's the myth of separation. This is what this is the, the trick that has been exploited to get us to this point. It's the same thing. And when I describe the threefold axis of the white supremacy, you know, which, which polarizes based on this skin tone, but also just this purity scale, you know, white magic and black magic. And then the, the masculine feminine, which is kind of this hemispheric left to right. And then there's also this progressive polarization where there's there's forward, the time's arrow into the future, quote unquote science, and then indigeneity and you know, place-based knowledge and, and natural cycles that move a lot slower. You know, so when you when you put those all together, you have a cube. You know, and as long as we're situated on the cube, you know, in that matrix, this XYZ axis, um, we're we're had, we're we're held, we're we're in we're in the system, and I think that that's really all that they need to do that the symbiont needs to do to make the matrix it doesn't have to go to the point of um literal physical entombment although they're getting close and they never stop but it really is a mental prison um you know and and here and this goes back to the you know to the to the mandela where it's like they can imprison my body but if i am in the center of my soul there is no chain that can that can find me you know i can be free no matter the circumstance and so you know these tactics that are being deployed at this present time are part and parcel to the they are a symptom of the the larger illness that gets us to this place you know and so what is the remedy bridging the divide you know and and this is also this has been the remedy the whole time this is why these days really do map to the book of revelation of St. John of, of Tarsus, you know, because it is that of going right into the center, you know, the meeting place, the crossroads. Um, this is the only way through for me. And, and this is also the road of forgiveness, you know, the holy road of like, you know, we, we take the, the sins of the world, which are also ours into us. And, um, and we say, here they are, and forgive them for they know not what they do, you know, and let the blood splash on the ground because I'm not here to live forever. I'm here to, I'm here to forgive. Hmm. Well, there's um, so many powerful points we touched on today, and we're, we're out of time, so uh, we're going to leave it here. But I wanted to thank you again for being who you are and all the incredible work that you investigate and embroider together to to serve the world in so many different communities and uh, 
It's it's an honor to share this space time with you. Michael, the honor is mine. This time flew and couldn't ask for a better place to leave it, you know, so there is a way through it. And I've seen it too, speaking of, you know, a little inherited clairvoyance from my agnostic mother. Um, we're going to be through this. We're, you know, we, there is a way and there's a reason for all of this, this challenge. And it's on the other side is the most beautiful song we've ever heard, you know, because it'll come from all that we've gone through. And it, it's going to be, you know, a song that we, we birthed the new earth to, you know, that we'll be playing in the background. Oh, so, you know, I believe so. in you. Yeah, they look forward to drinking tea with you, to hearing your music and singing with you. Me too. Me too. Uh, well, in, enjoy where you are and continue to radiate all that goodness. And uh, until our paths cross again, thank you so much. <laughs>